Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. At home with just... Just a few exceptions since the second week of April. I, I don't know where our next guest does his show. I don't know if he's been at home or if he's been in a studio or if they, or he may be, like he's so talented. He may be a, a, a blackjack dealer while he's hosting the show. That's how smooth Brian Blessing is from the Vegas Hockey Hotline. Hey, Brian. Well, the truth is, Reed. It never got to the point. You know when you have a long day and you're, oh, I got to go do the radio show. Well, during a pandemic, it's like, yes, I'm leaving. I'm going to do the radio show. I I left. I went to the studio the whole time, and uh, you know. By the way, I was listening to the news down here. Daylight savings time is the stupidest thing. You know, you got to get up at five in the morning to see the sun here. And I was listening to the news on your station. Honestly, man, you guys got to go to the the Fahrenheit thing. Minus seven just sounds so bad. <laughs> you, but, no, Brian, there's like three countries in the world that haven't gone Celsius, and for some reason the United States is one of them. <laughs> yeah, I know, but minus seven, it just sounds worse than it is. <laughs> well, no, we don't think that. We think minus seven in the middle of December is like, hey, that's not that bad. <laughs> Well, yeah, but yeah, but when it's 109 out here, and they go, yeah, it's 42. We're like, what? <laughs> it wasn't 109 today, was it? Oh God, it's freezing here. No, it's cold. Like, oh, it's... It's in, the, in the high. No, it's, in, it's in the in the mid 40s, low 40s in the morning and at night. And believe me, when you live here, and I'm from Buffalo, and I whine, I, I'm I'm all dressed up. I might as well be in an igloo. I'm so cold in the mornings. <laughs> oh, That's great. So where is now, you have to probably understand that the majority of the people listening would only know the Vegas Strip, but where in Vegas is your studio located? Uh, kind of like right in the middle of, of the city. Uh, like I live out in Summerlin, uh, which is in the southwest corner of the city. Uh, the studio is kind of like right in the middle. Like for me, it's, it's, the beauty of this valley, Reed, I swear to God, I always say this and people think I'm crazy. It's just a big, sunny buffalo. I mean, you can be anywhere you want to be in this valley in 25 minutes. It's amazing. It, it, it really, it's just, it's not that, it, it's not that big. So how often do you, because I, I know I've asked you this before, but how many years have you been now in, in Vegas since leaving Buffalo? Like 15 or something? Oh, it's scary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 2005, I moved here. So how often do Vegas residents partake in the strip in any, like for a walk to gamble, to go to a show? Like what, what would the number be? Oh, really infrequently, May, maybe a couple of times a year, but it, well, Hey, I lived in Buffalo forever and Niagara Falls is an amazing place. And the only time you ever went to Niagara Falls when was people come to visit you from out of town and go, I want to see Niagara Falls. You know, and it was 20 minutes away, and you, you never went when you lived there. 
Yeah, I understand that. I, I mean, I guess we we still have people coming to Edmonton for West Edmonton Mall. It was really you'll you'll like this because the Oilers practiced at uh, at West Edmonton Mall because you know they have the ice surface there called the Ice Palace, and yep. they practiced there in I think it was in late January or early February. So we did all our media availabilities just in kind of a little, it's like a skate change area that would be used for public skating just off the rink. So McDavid does his scrum. And so we're asking some mall questions. He's like, yeah, I, I, I don't really come here unless I really have to. And I remember thinking to myself, you are a true Edmontonian because that's what we all say. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, totally. unless you live in the West End. Otherwise, it's like, yeah, I don't really go to the mall unless I really need to hit a shop that's only there. No, people always ask me, how do you live out there? I'm like, what do you mean? You know, we have grocery stores and movie theaters. And, I mean, we don't all live in a cardboard box uh, under a viaduct next to the strip. <laughs> I mean, I like, how do you live out there? Well, uh, let's see. I see the sun 350 days a year. That's, that's a start. <laughs> Yeah, you, you, it's, you, wow, people in Vegas have to eat and buy groceries. Well, I've learned something today. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by I, the way, if you're doing a show from home, yes, uh, I have actually done that. I have grown six full beards, and as soon as they come in, I shave them. I, 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 I hate it when I do, but I, you know, do you have like a Rumpelstiltskin thing going on? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm trying to see if I can roll with that line, but I'm not quick enough tonight. No, I, I've been all right. Um, you'd be proud of me. I like, uh, I'm sure I've told you a little bit that I, that I try to be somewhat of a runner, you know, like a everyday type guy. And I got a, I got a treadmill in September and that thing is getting the mileage, man. And right now I'm probably in the best shape I've been in in a couple of years. Feels good. Oh, good for you, man. I mean, I walk really fast by treadmills. <laughs> That's that's the extent of it. By the way, I am going to talk about hockey stuff, but I like the Vegas theme. On Monday on the show, we played Brent Musburger's radio call of the uh, Raiders win over the Jets. I believe Musburger's 81, and he's calling the Raiders game. Now, does, did, he, did he not do a talk show, or does he still have a talk show where he's in a casino? What's the story there? Yeah. Yeah, he does a thing on Vsin, um, and they were based out at the South Point. Uh, but but he got the Raiders gig too, so I, I think he he still does it. I think he does it less frequently, but you no, know, he he lives, you know, as the crow flies, he, and he lives right. He lives. My God, should be take away. Wait, here's where the guy lives. No, he he <laughs> he lives near Suncoast Casino. He is the crow flies. He probably lives, you know, four miles from here. Now, are the Raiders, does it feel like they're Vegas's team or is it still kind of unusual? And I guess they haven't had to, you know, have had fans in the stadium. So that maybe changes the the vibe. But what's it like having an NFL team there now? I don't know. I'm the wrong guy to ask. I, okay. I, I, I mean it. I've said all along, uh, you know, it's not like the Golden Knights that were born here and it's Vegas's team. The only saving grace to me being a guy from Buffalo that I spent the majority of my adult life with people trying to pilfer and steal your football team. Uh, I despise bon John Bon Jovi, you know, I mean, <laughs> leave my football team alone. At least Vegas didn't vulture them out of Oakland. Oakland just, they didn't come to a deal there, but the new stadiums here and there are no fans that go to the game, but I am really, I'm of the belief that, if fans were going, the 65 to 70% of the fans that would be at Allegiant Stadium would be from California that would come in. People from Oakland and Southern California would come in 
I mean, it, it, it dominates. It's on the media here. Um, but I, I think the jury's really out, like, you know, how many people are bonkers over the Raiders. I'm a Bills fan. I'm not, I'm not giving up all this misery. You know, the, the day may come that they win something. I'm not giving that up. It might be this year, Brian. It might be. I'm not, I'm not jinxing anything here, but no, but I know, but that, that's, that's Vegas by nature, right? It's just a lot of transplants. And I mean, I, they're great. They're part of the community and it's fine. And I think it'll grow in time. Um, it's big news. The NFL is here, but in terms of, you know, people here I, like me, they're not, if you're a lifelong Broncos fan, you're not like doing a cartwheel to go get a Raiders Jersey. Fair enough. Brian Blessing from the Vegas Hockey Hotline joining us on Inside Sports. Okay, what's what's going on with these Max Pacioretty rumors? Are they shopping him? Does he want out? What's what's the story? I love the NHL, man. It ain't rocket science. You know, there's always the connect the dots moments and all these things. It's, it's funny that this got this surface because three months ago uh, on Vegas Hockey Hotline, you know, the the thing surfaced with flurry with the sword in his back with DeBoer's name on it from Alan Walsh. And I, that day, I mean, I'm dumb, but I ain't stupid. I said that, that day, if, if Flurry gets moved out of here, Pacioretty may not be far behind him. And they would want to rid themselves of all things Alan Walsh. Because if Alan Walsh did that during the bubble in the midst of a Stanley Cup run, if Alex Tuck gets moved up to the second line and Pacioretty gets moved to the third line, what, does Alan Walsh start all over again? I, part of me, I, I don't think it's any more complicated than, you know, they, they just want to rid themselves of Alan Walsh stuff. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's an interesting one for sure. Because he's, I mean, he's obviously a, a, a very good player. What do you what do you make of the? I mean, we're, I don't know if there's any surprises in the divisions that came out today: Canadian Division, Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Dallas, L.A., San Jose, St. Louis, and Vegas. I guess there was some talk about maybe where St. Louis or Minnesota could go. I mean, I look at that potential division for the Golden Knights, and to me, you got a clear fairly clear top four with Dallas, Colorado, the Knights, and St. Louis. I, I, to me, that's the one that you can divide in half the easiest. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you look at you know, Carolina, Columbus, Detroit, Chicago, Florida, Minnesota, Nashville, Tampa, looks if you rated them, I think that's the easiest. I think the toughest is the Boston, Buffalo, yeah. Jersey Island, Rangers, Philly, Pittsburgh, Washington, um, and, and then, then you know, the Pacific thing, like you mentioned. The Canadian division, to me, may just right out of the gate be the toughest. And, and just because the, the passion and the pride, I mean, like when the Leafs go to Vancouver, you know, when people are at games and there's that in-house war, I mean, the pride. With Edmonton, at first, like, Edmonton, Calgary, eight times, I'm in. I'm, come on, this is great. Uh, you know, it's good. And the thing is, but I think this is going to be one of the most amazing things that they can pull this off. When you think about the short schedule, you can't have a four game losing streak. You can't come out of the gate crawling and you're going to get home and homes, except when the guy gets the license plate on a Friday night and they hop on a plane and go to the other building. Now the home team's going home. The, the visiting team's going back to a hotel and they play back to back nights, the same building. You watch how many how many times they're chucking nuts on the opening face-off the next night. This is, it's going to be great. 
Well, there will be amazing. And, and I, look, I, I don't think that they should go to a Canadian division permanently, but it, it's apparently it's clearly the most practical thing to do for this season. And and I and I, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be awesome. And I've been talking about it a bit this week. And Pierre LeBrun did that article where he polled some American executives, coaches, and scouts, and the only consensus was that Ottawa is probably seventh. But I don't know, like Ottawa has probably done enough that if they are seventh, they're not a distance. So like the, the, that, the, the crazy thing about the Canadian division, Brian, I know the loser points affects point percentages, but like there's a 570 points percentage win you the division where usually that barely gets you into the playoffs. I don't know. It could be that tight. I, I don't know. And it, it, they, they could just sit there and, you know, cannibalize each other uh, with the, the compact schedule. It's going to be awesome. And you're a powerful guy in Canada, Reed. I've been begging for this. I'm serious for 30 years and everybody thinks I'm crazy. And I'm telling you, there's no Eastern conference. There's no Western conference. My God, Ray, what do we got a Northern and a Southern Southwestern conference. Now this is the time to do it. Throw the conference trophies away. They treat them like they're plutonium. Anyway, do one versus 16 this year. Could you imagine you know, the, the Golden Knights play the Penguins in the first round. You know, Edmonton Edmonton plays the Bruins in the first round. It would be awesome. There are no, there are no conferences. Do one versus 16 and forge some new rivalries, and it'll be so great they get their head out of their backside and do it permanently. I, I would actually love to see the one versus 16 for, for this season because – the, the standings are going to look kind of funny anyway with everybody just playing the same seven, six or seven teams all year long. If, if you're worried about travel, go back to the 2-3-2 two, two format that they used in the Stanley Cup final a couple times in the 80s. I know it's not the greatest format, but I, 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 I yeah, I would agree. And here's the thing. you want, If the team that should win the Stanley Cup should have played the most number of teams possible. So that's not possible in the regular season. Make it possible in the playoffs. Pl- play one through sixteen. If you happen to wind up with a divisional opponent, so be it. But I, I, I like that idea. Open it up otherwise. No, and if you think of the urgency, listen. What are the old famous sayings in hockey? You know, you're playing a big division game late in the season. It's a four point game. <laughs> All of a sudden, you got an eight point weekend. You know, you're playing home and homes with these teams. Teams are going to go up and down the ladder. Your 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 head's going to be in a swivel going. My God, you were the two seed on Tuesday, and on Sunday, you're the seven seed. Brian, I always love having you on the show. Uh, quickly to wrap it up, the United States, Liberia, and Burma, the only three countries that do not use the metric system. And look, here's why we like it. Zero is freezing. It's the neutral number, the, the temperature at which that water is. freezes. I got zero. Listen, I got zero, zero and thirty-two down. I'm good there. Well, once I get beyond four, I'm done. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, thanks for making time for us tonight. I always love having you on the show. Glad you're keeping well down there. And uh, of course, we'll talk once they drop the puck, man. It's great to hear your voice, Reed. It's been a while. We'll talk soon, bud. Right on. That is Brian Blessing checking in from Vegas, Vegas Hockey Hotline. Excellent radio show. I've been a guest on uh, his show several times over the years. Uh, Brian, an excellent broadcaster, had a, has had an interesting career, went from Buffalo to Vegas. Still uh, still supporting the Buffalo Bills, and they're good this year. They're on the Sunday Nighter. 
this weekend against Pittsburgh. That's going to be a really fun game to watch. Baltimore and Cleveland is the Monday nighter. And you may have seen, you know how the NFL has that flex scheduling to try to get the best possible matchup on Sunday night. The Cleveland Browns have been moved into the Sunday night slot for December 20th taking on the New York Giants. They bump out the game between uh, Dallas and San Francisco. Cleveland Browns, Jack's team, a Sunday night club. Pretty cool. The band Fozzy with Chris Jericho, the lead. Yeah, that song has been part of our playlist for a while here on 630 Shed. It's a classic. That is uh, Tonight. What is the album? Do you want to start a war? Is that That's the name it. of the album? You got it. Wow. I actually remembered something. It's a How few years that? old now. I think that was released in, well, 2014. It's staring me right in the face right now. Yeah, so 2014 it got released. Fozzie uh, formed in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, they've been around since 1999. Not bad. They have one, two, three, four. They have seven albums. Oh, pretty good run. Mm-hmm. Pretty good run. Their first album is a, it's basically a cover CD of 1980s hair metal classics, but it's well, amazing. It's great. And what's interesting is on uh, Do You Want to Start a War, they do a cover of SOS by ABBA. You should find that for the end of the show. I should find that, yeah. It's I, actually, they they really didn't alter it that much. I mean, it's a little more guitar-oriented, but it's not one of those covers that's arranged or played so differently that it takes a while to recognize the song. Mm. You're listening to it, and you think, no, that's that's SOS by ABBA. That is straight-out SOS by ABBA. They're like, mm. when it, if it comes, if I have a random playlist on, and it starts... It takes me a second to realize if it's the cover or actually uh, SOS by ABBA. It gets a little heavier during the chorus, but mm-hmm. anyway, ABBA's also a, a great band. They are. All right. <laughs> that was cool to have Brian Blessing on the show. From Vegas, you heard from Rob Brown. We will catch up with Paula Finley when we get back. Edmonton triathlon, uh, triathlete. Pardon me, really burst onto the scene in 2010, uh, had a disappointing Olympic appearance in 2012, but still very good, very relevant, and very, very. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Victorious. She won at Daytona on the weekend. She also won there last year, I believe. We'll catch up with Paula when we get back. All right. 
right, so the latest on the NHL Board of Governors meeting today. We've talked a bit about how the divisions will probably look. We've known about the Canadian division, a few details on the U.S. divisions, which, of course, could change as we go along. Pierre Lebrun, Lebrun reporting, voting hopefully by the end of next week to ratify everything and get the season going. So I, I was hoping we'd have something by the end of this week. Appears unlikely at this point, uh, January 13th right now is the start date they're talking about. So camps probably starting on the second or the third, maybe on New Year's Day. But the teams that were out of the qualifying round, those seven bottom teams from last year, would probably get to start camp on the 28th. They've been promised to get uh, a little bit longer of a run-up. So, of course, we will uh, we will keep following that story. Hey, here's uh, someone I am pleased to have back on the show. And uh, we have a lot of catching up to do. Please welcome... Edmontonian champion triathlete Paula Findlay. Paula, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Hi there. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Good. Are you back in Edmonton? Uh, actually, no, I'm not. I'm in Portland, Oregon right now. Kind of crazy, but I'll be back in Edmonton before Christmas. So okay, soon. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, it's 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 been a while since we've had you on the show. So so thanks a lot for checking in, and uh, an awesome victory for you over the weekend at the uh, Daytona International Speedway in the triathlon. There, I mean, man, sum yeah. up uh, sum up the race for us. How you felt going in? How you felt when you were out there? Yeah, it was pretty crazy course since it was all in the NASCAR track. So very unconventional for a triathlon and kind of strange for the speedway to like have host a triathlon there, but it was amazing. We basically did 20 laps on the bike and then four laps on the run. Uh, and there's actually a lake in the middle of the track where, where that we swam in 2K. So super unique experience. And uh, it ended up being kind of the only race of the year for a lot of people, including myself, because of COVID, everything was canceled and they were really able to put this race on safely because it's so isolated. It's almost like a bubble inside that speedway. So we were all tested and um, kind of quarantining the whole time we were there. So, um, yeah, very strange year, just like uncertainty, not sure if I'd get the chance to race at all. So when this one came on the schedule, every triathlete, uh, pro triathlete in the world kind of targeted it and they put up a huge prize purse over a million dollars. So it kind of brought all the big names and, I had a great day, so it was pretty cool. And did you win there last year as well? Yeah, I actually did win last year, although it was a much different event in terms of the, the field and the prize money. It was kind of a, a test run, I guess you could say, for this year. Um, and there were some big names there, but it wasn't nearly like the caliber field that it attracted this year. So it was cool to go back and have done the race before, but definitely a different kind of race. So the the total purse was around a million dollars. Uh, it's been reported you got a hundred thousand dollars. Do you mind telling us what usually the prize money would be for a triathlon? Yeah, it's it's a lot different than that. Um, usually to win the seventy point three on the at the pro level, it's five thousand dollars. So a lot different, and uh, that's usually supplemented with bonuses from sponsors and things like that but a hundred thousand is definitely like above and beyond anything i've ever won in a single day so super cool that the uh the professional triathlete organization actually put that money up so yeah it was pretty unique yeah well it's cool well good for you I, i'm curious about doing the run and the bike on a nascar track because aren't they they're pitched right so the inside yeah. is lower than the outside I, I imagine you'd be spending most of your time down on the inside but what was it like 
being on that track and was it was it hot being on that track or what, what can you tell us yeah so the track is banked quite seriously and too much to ride on it like you really have to be going in a car at whatever they go at the speeds to to stay on the bank so we basically stayed kind of right at the bottom of the bank where there's still a pretty wide almost like a double lane wide uh, road going around it so it stays flat the whole way we you can go on the banks when they kind of taper out at the straight but um definitely it's designed for cars and not bikes uh, <laughs> it was not a hot week in florida it was pretty like unusually cold actually so i had been training in canmore alberta for four months prior so i was glad that it was cold i was kind of ready for that um and not freezing or anything but probably like in the teens so not hot, but I can imagine it would get really hot in the summer just because it's like beating dumps on onto pavement. Um, the stadium was pretty empty, like there were no spectators in the stands, but the seats are all speckled different colors, so it almost looks like people. It's a pretty surreal, like cool experience just to be in the speedway, and the size of it is incredible. Like you'd never imagine how big it feels when you're standing in the middle of it. So, yeah, really, really cool place to see, let alone race. All right, so here's the, the big question with everything that's been happening. And as you mentioned, this was the only triathlon you were able to compete in in 2020. What did you do all year? And what was it like trying to stay sharp in an environment where I assume for a lot of the year, you didn't really know when your next competition was going to be? Yeah, it was, it was kind of strange. Uh, I definitely had to taper back the training a lot just because you can't go hard and train hard every day without a goal in mind or you'd go crazy so I stayed relatively fit I probably reduced my training volume by like 25 percent just to be able to get fit if a race were to happen like Daytona did but it, it was really uncertain like with everyone everything all year if a race would happen two months down the road three months four months we didn't know because races were on the schedule but obviously could get canceled so just kept training but also we me and my boyfriend eric we got a dog this year we started a youtube channel that's become fairly successful and just like ventured into some other interests that just not distracted us but gave us something else to do and that was important i think in order to maintain some sense of purpose and ultimately the things we ventured off into have helped us with our tri triathlon career like we have a really big following now and people like enjoy watching our movies and stuff and we put out like very honest videos about our training and our racing so at the end of the day it did help and then it paid off with a really good race i kind of timed it perfectly with the build into that event so yeah. i just quickly googled that triathlon life is that the name of your youtube channel that is it yes <laughs> all right so if people want to check it out it is that triathlon life and yeah. uh, I hope I'm saying this right. Eric uh, Lagerstrom, that's your boyfriend? Yeah, yeah. Eric's my boyfriend. And we basically, we put out a video every Sunday. Eric's a pretty talented videographer. And he filmed a ton of our training and just like our day-to-day -day life, basically. And um, we're pretty honest with it. Like we share what, what we eat, what we how we train, traveling to races. And people, especially triathletes, have caught on and really enjoyed following our journey because... There wasn't a lot to do this year except watch YouTube, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's taken off, and Eric loves doing it, and it gives us something to do every week because we do put the videos out every Sunday. So, yeah. And, uh, and here's the big question. What kind of dog did you get? Uh, we got a German wire hair pointer, which is, like, the most high-energy, crazy 
dog you could possibly get. And he's actually in Edmonton with my parents right now. While we were away racing, they they dog sat and they're about ready to get rid of him now. So we gotta oh, get good. home. <laughs> well, hopefully the dog's listening tonight. That would uh, some say this show has already gone to the dog. So why not? You fit right in. Paula Finley joining us tonight. Uh, of course, Edmonton native. One of the world's best triathletes. She's a triathlete. She's just telling you how she won the event in Daytona over the weekend. Also won it uh, last year, though, as Paula described. The circumstances were pretty different. Paula, um, I mean, look, I know, I know you're still in the middle of your career and you have a lot to accomplish. But, but I do want to look back because it is kind of about a decade for you that that people have been hearing your name, and you're a, you're an elite athlete, so you're. Um, your victories and your disappointments are very public and you've had to live through both sides of that. How do you sort of look back on, I mean, I mean, can you look back on, on 2010 and remember what that felt like when you started getting noticed and getting interviewed on shows like this, or how do you look back on that time? Yeah, it's kind of surreal to like be 10 years down the road from then and having a similar experience now, uh, the race that I did on Sunday attracted a lot of attention and viewers and, you know, it kind of snowballs into everyone finding out and wanting to talk to me. So it's really cool. And I'm so happy to do it. And, um, it was, it's different than 2010 though, because I had this decade basically with some good races, but also a ton of setbacks and injuries and health issues and things like that. So it really makes me appreciate this one even more than I ever did back then. Um, not that it came easy back then, but it just, I had, didn't have much experience with failure or with not winning. So it was just happening. And I was kind of just like living it as a 20 year old, kind of like wide eyed and not knowing what was going on. But now that I've stuck with the sport for so long and then to have a, a race win like this, that's on, I would say like the same level of importance as the races back then is just crazy because I appreciate how difficult it is to race and win at this level now. So, um, yeah, I do remember it, but it's, it is different now as a 30 year old versus a 20 year old and having that much more experience, uh, in the sport. So, so okay. So the Olympics got pushed back. Is that, mm-hmm. are you going to be in the Olympics? Do you have to qualify or what's, what's happening there? Yeah. Uh, it's a bit, complicated i mean i could talk for an hour about this but um so i basically do the long course racing now it's like half ironman distance and that was the distance of the race on sunday um i would love to go to tokyo next year i think i could qualify based on how like fast and fit i am but there's a lot more to it than just being the fastest triathlete in canada you have to you know your federation has to pick you to go to the games you have to have a certain number of points by racing that specific style of racing so unfortunately at this point i think it's a bit too late for me to go down that pathway it requires kind of a four-year cycle of commitment to that type of race but um i mean if they called me tomorrow and offered me a spot and said they want to take me i would 100 percent go but <laughs> it's a little more complicated than that so okay. probably not okay Okay, so remind me of the Olympic distance and the Ironman distance and what you did in date. So the Olympic is the shortest distance for a triathlon generally? Uh, there is a shorter one called the sprint, but at the Olympic Games, it's a 1,500-meter swim, a 40-kilometer bike, and a 10-kilometer run. And what I did okay. on Sunday is a 2-kilometer swim, an 80-kilometer bike, and a 18-kilometer run, so nearly double what an Olympic distance would be. So, okay, that still seems 
strange to me that you couldn't be considered because I would think if you're good, you're good. And if, if you could do yeah. the longer ones, you can certainly do the show. I'm not trying to drag you into a controversy, but you know what I mean? It's like, if you're good at no, the longer yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, especially since the race on the weekend was like a very fast race. Like I raced tons of Olympians and Olympic gold medalists and world champions in that race and beat them. So I, I think I could be competitive there, and you're right. It's not a lot different. I still train the same way that I would if I were doing the short races. So it it ultimately comes down to, like, a lot of politics and dealing with federation, triathlon Canada, things like that. And I don't want to, like, get into the negative, but it definitely um, doesn't feel as much like you have control over your own career when you're heading down that path versus what I'm doing now and having a little more say over what races I do and how I can make a living at this. So, uh, it's, it's complicated, like I said, but you're right. It does from the outside appear that, well, it's simple. I won that race. I should be able to go to Tokyo as well, but, um, doesn't quite work like that. It, it reminds me a little bit of what a story that we had. Uh, I, I can't remember what it was cause this, when it was this year is such a blur, but with the, the, the Plouffe sisters are on the Canadian three X three basketball team. And they were number one in the world, but Canada didn't get into the Olympics because Canada as a federation didn't get enough points. So Right, it's a it's, bit similar to that. Yeah. 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 Like anyway. the country has to perform to to get slots in order to compete and allocate athletes for those slots. So yeah, there's a lot that goes behind the scenes that people don't see. <laughs> so what's uh, what's next for you? I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of COVID concerns. I've spent a lot of time mm-hmm. on this show talking about the NHL, the CFL, trying to get going. What can you plan for in 2021? Uh, well, it was it was promising to have this race on the weekend because it showed that event an event can be held safely and hopefully things improve next year so that we can have regular races and. Uh, if that does happen, I'd target uh, the 70.3 World Championships next summer that are in St. George, Utah, and just pick some key races kind of that are important throughout the year. I mostly race in North America. I don't do much travel overseas anymore, but um, that's going to be my main focus is like the same distance race that I did on Sunday and uh, try to win the World Championships, <laughs> I guess. And what do you consider a home base now? Is it Portland, Canmore, Edmonton still? All three. <laughs> All three. Yeah, actually, to be honest, don't spend a ton of time in Edmonton. I I prefer to be in Canmore just because the um, the training's a little better there for triathlon. But yeah, I split my time right now with Portland, uh, Canmore, and then we were actually in Tucson, Arizona for a few months last year. Just when it gets too cold up north, uh, that's the perfect climate to be in. So uh, Eric, my boyfriend, and I have a sprinter van, and we can we don't live in it, but we take it. Uh, to all of our training locations and can load our bikes and our dog in there and get from place to place. So we're pretty flexible to <laughs> train wherever's best throughout the year. Uh, I, I, I just got a question from a listener. I'm just going to throw it at you. If you, if you. if you don't know or don't have an answer, I understand, but somebody took the time okay. to, to write in. Uh, cool. This listener says, uh, hi, Reed. My 12-year-old daughter has shown running talent for a few years now. She runs 12 to 20K per day on top of playing sports. Does Paula recommend any running clubs or organizations in Edmonton that could offer training at her age? Uh, yeah, I grew up running with the Edmonton Thunder Track Club. I don't know if they are still uh, 
a club in Edmonton. Um, I'm not super familiar with like the track clubs in town right now because it's changed so much since I was there. Uh, I also ended up running with U of A because I went to school at U of A. So that was an awesome track program, but obviously that's when you're a bit older. So I would recommend as a 12 year old, I think he said she's 12. Yes. That's like, that's a pretty young age to be running 12 to 20 K a day. I mean, I definitely don't even run that much. (laughs) So I would be on the cautious side, just in terms of injury. Like I think growing up as a teenager, young teenager playing soccer, getting into swimming or um, doing like a, a big broad range of sports is like, possibly a healthier approach and then run more when you get into your late teens but I mean I'm not an expert but it definitely worries me just because of my own personal experience with running too much when I was too young and not uh, and then getting injured a lot so um, but I think if you have a track club that you can join they would definitely guide guide the training a little um, a little better than any advice I could give. <laughs> No, that's that's fair for sure. Do, uh, you know with with the year the way it was uh, did you did you watch a lot of sports? Like, I don't know if you follow the Oilers or the NHL or if you're an NFL fan or like, or I do. Like, do yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a hockey fan cause I'm from Edmonton. So I watched a little bit of it. Uh, yeah, just, it's a strange year, but they still did have, have sports, right? Like in a safe, safe kind of bubble way. <laughs> The the safe bubble way that is the slogan yeah. for sports in 2020. Paula, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm so glad to uh, to talk to you again. It, it's it's been too long, so let's let's please stay in touch. Congratulations yeah. on on the win over the weekend. You're you're a great story regardless of, of how you do, but of course everybody is thrilled that you got the victory. So have a great Christmas. Yeah. Enjoy your visit Thank back you. here in Edmonton when you come. Thank you so much. Nice chatting with you. Talk soon. That is that is Edmonton's Bye. Paula Finley triathlete on the show tonight coming off the win in Daytona and uh, we're getting caught up with her. So uh, that was awesome to speak to her for sure. 751 Inside Sports on Chet. junior hockey team going through the selection camp in Red Deer. Players don't really have a lot of time to impress the coaches after a two-week quarantine. The 25-player roster will be chosen from the 41 players in camp by the weekend. And uh, as you know, the selection camp was paused for two weeks after a couple players tested positive for COVID. The players weren't able to play games during quarantine. Forward Hendricks Lapierre says uh, they got to be sharp in a pair of inter-squad games this week. We lost two weeks in quarantine, but I feel like everyone's in the same boat right now and we all have only two games to, to show ourselves. Now, Canada and the nine other countries competing are scheduled to enter the bubble here in Edmonton on Sunday. The World Juniors will start on Christmas Day. Now, some countries have had to remove players from rosters already because of positive COVID tests. Sweden's coaches have tested positive. Canadian Connor McMichael, he's from Ajax, Ontario, hoping the tournament can go ahead. The tournament itself is out of our control, but uh, we're doing what we can control, um, just following the guidelines and uh, just hoping for the best. All right. Well, I think we all are. Uh, Hockey Canada has said they could play the tournament with as few as eight teams if for uh, for some reason, you know, teams actually had to completely drop out. Alfonso Davies, Canadian, Edmontonian, back from injury 
Defending champ Bayern Munich beating Lokomotiv Moscow 2-0 in Champions League Group A play today. Of course, the 20-year-old named the co-winner of the Lou Marsh Award yesterday. This is SOS by Fozzie. They seem so hard to find. Pretty good track. Are we going to ride out the show with this, Kellen? Yeah, let's ride out the show with That sounds great. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. I'm back at 6 tomorrow. Thanks a lot for listening. It used to be so nice. It used to be so good. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.